everyone has an idea of who Jesus is, but we want to help you know what the collection of scripture reveals about him. Right now, we are going through the Gospel of John and taking a look at what we can learn together. Join us at the metaphorical table as we get to know Jesus through the Bible. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jesus Table podcast. We're here in a series of John, and we're looking at seven titles that are given to Jesus within the first chapter of John, which is, I'm still amazed by that fact alone. Um, We've looked at two already. Today, we're going to look at the third one, but let me just kind of recap what these seven titles are. The first one is that Jesus is the Word. The second one that we looked at last episode is that He is the Light. Today we'll be looking at he is the son of God, then that he is the Christ, and that he is the Lamb of God, and that he is the King of Israel, and that he is the Son of Man. And I'm glad we're taking them one by one so I can in my mind kind of put them (laughs) in a shelf and see the difference between some of these and the nuance that some of them have and the depth that it has even just in scripture. So I'm excited about this one today. It's a Kind of a big one that a lot of people talk about, um, that Jesus is the Son of God. So um, what is what does that mean? Where do you want to kind of start to just give the big picture of, of what this means, Doc? Well, uh, let's put it like this. Um, John, John is the first one that really is the one that just comes out and says it. And he says that this is why he wrote the whole gospel, you know, so that you may believe in chapter 20. Mm-hmm that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but he's also the Son of God, and that believing in him, you will have life. So uh, if we got to blame somebody, let's blame John, right? <laughs> For all of this. But, you know, exactly. But, you know, the thing is, the title, Son of God, is very controversial, not only in Jesus' day, and we'll see that, the implications of all of that, but we'll also understand and see how complicated it is today because there are places and there's been a lot of misunderstanding by what that means. For example, pantheists are those that believe that everything is God. Uh, They say, hey, we're sons of God, you know, because we're part of the creation and since we're part of the creation, we're also sons of God. And there are those that believe also that uh, human beings are sons of God, and we need to define terms more than anything and understand in the context where John mm-hmm. wants to communicate uh, regarding Jesus because he's uniquely, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten or unique or only son. In other words, uh, even though, and we'll discuss these things, even though we can say we are also sons of God, but we are not the unique sons of God. And we'll, we'll, of course, walk through the implications of all of that. But uh, why don't you read something from Scripture, for example, and we'll, from chapter 1, and we'll just take it from there. All right. So there's a couple of times within the first chapter that this idea of the Son of God is kind of presented. But I'll read um, John one thirty. That okay. says this. <clears throat> This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. This is John the Baptist speaking. Verse 31 says, I did not recognize him, 
but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. So exactly. there you have the moment of baptism, and God told <laughs> right. him, the one you see the Spirit descending, that's, that's the guy, that's the one. And that's he right. says, I have testified that he's the Son of God, and yeah. there's... There's that title um, that right. John is very clearly stating um, that, that the other John, John the Baptist yeah. also. <laughs> exactly. So when we say son of God, like why is, was this so different? Because I know okay. well, yeah. through the New Testament, like Romans 8 or whatever, we have the idea of adoption as sons, right? Like you mentioned, even right. in Christianity, exactly. we have this idea that we're not children of God. We're, we're sons right. and daughters of God. How is this different? And in Israel, because I know in, even in Exodus right. and like uh, passages like that, God mm-hmm. refers to Israel as his firstborn or his, exactly. you know, his children. So yeah. why would this be so, you know, eye-opening yeah. and mind-blowing that this is somehow different? You know what I mean? Okay, sure. No, of course. And, you know, those are great questions, and they're questions that are extremely, extremely, extremely relevant today. Uh, because as I mentioned before, uh, there's uh, there are some people they say, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I'm not a Christian, but I am spiritual, you know, and we mm-hmm. need to define all of that, what that Im- implies. And of course, this is Eastern philosophy, and we don't want to get into the technicalities of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are many of the Eastern religions that believe that uh, we're, we're all part of the created order, what we call, what is called pantheism, you know? Uh, so there's really mm-hmm. no difference between a tree, a rock, or anything like that, you know? Because everything we're all is God. Part, everything is God, exactly. Mm-hmm. But over here, there's a uniqueness, first of all, about Jesus. You know, the word in Greek is monogenes or monogenes, depending on who... who uh, who pronounces it, but anyway, it means the only or unique Son of God. And John starts us off in the very beginning, of course, and we already saw this two weeks ago. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this refers before the Incarnation, before Jesus had a body. He was part of what we call the Godhead. Uh, then verse 12, 13, and 14, but especially 14 says, And the Word uh, became flesh. And that's what we call the incarnation today. The moment that uh, Jesus, uh, through the miracle of the virgin birth and the Holy Spirit, he became a human being. So mm-hmm. we see that. So there's a uniqueness, you know, and there's a lot of confusion. For example, certain religions teach you know, it's impossible for God to have relationship uh, with a human being, being Mary here. And uh, that would mean that God had sexual relationships with Mary. And that passage in John didn't infer that at all. So uh, when we discuss and we say, because you say that today in certain countries in the world, you can, you can be killed for that. Uh, it was wow. not only in Jesus' day, uh, for example, and we'll be looking at this later, chapter 10, 
where uh, one of the times they wanted to stone him. Uh, they wanted to stone and kill Jesus because of the fact, and Jesus himself, John relates, says, why do you want to kill me? Because I said I'm the son of God. So in that sense, there's a uniqueness. There's a total uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Now, referring to what you said, you know, we're children of God. And uh, John makes it very clear, we're children of God. And of course, Paul writes about being adopted. Uh, we are not God in the sense that we are eternal, uh, as as Jesus Christ was before the beginning, in the beginning. So uh, we are adopted as children of God. But again, that unique role of Jesus Christ, uh, we don't possess. There was a moment where we were not, let's put it like that. We're not mm-hmm. the Alpha and the Omega. We're not the um, the beginning and the end, as it refers in the Old Testament to uh, Yahweh. And in the New Testament, it refers to Jesus. So in that sense, uh, that's where he is totally unique. And we are not. So by him saying he's the Son of God, the unique Son of God. And I think it's verse 18. Let's, let's check it out. I, I believe so. It's curious to note, it says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. In other words, it's when we see Jesus, we see God in the flesh. And uh, when they tried to stone Jesus in John chapter 10, it was exactly the religious leaders understood what Jesus was saying. They understood Mm. very clearly. Otherwise, they... You know, they accuse him of blasphemy. They accuse him of uh, something that according to the law, you know, you had to be killed. And they try to stone him, you know. So that's the major difference. That's the big difference. And that's what causes a lot of confusion uh, many times. And John the Baptist is curious to note in the passage that you read. John the Baptist, you know, here in verse 30 this is who, of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. And we know from Scripture that John the Baptist was older, approximately six yeah. months older than Jesus. So, you know, if you don't understand these things, you can misinterpret. But what Jesus, what John the Baptist is giving witness to, he says, hey, Jesus existed before I did. He's recognizing mm-hmm. his divinity. And at the same time, he mentions and gives the title of Son of God here. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, and he might be revealed to Israel. And of course, the revelation of is to Israel was that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and we'll be discussing that in other weeks. And John bore witness, yeah. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Again, he's talking about... Uh, when uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, when John was baptizing him, and the Father, again, gives testimony. The Holy Spirit came in the form of dove, of the dove, but the Father gave te- testimony and said, this is my beloved Son. So again, uh, that's, that's the uniqueness of this yeah. passage. And when we look at John the Baptist, when he responds, it's because... Uh, some of the people were asking him, so are you the one that we're waiting for? Are you the one, the Messiah? Are you the one, you know, sort of wondering? Mm-hmm. And he says, no, 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 no. No, I'm not. 
So uh, that's that's why the Son of God is uh, so important. And of course, it's not only John the Baptist. There are a number of other people in the Gospel of John that use that title for Jesus. And again, they were all Jewish. Uh, you know, Nathaniel and just some others that give that uh, title, explaining and calling him the Son of God. So uh, it's it, it's a loaded question. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Now you gave so many good arguments, um, mm-hmm. even just now, and I'd, I'd yeah. like to kind of circle back and, sure. and revisit some of those that you said. That was really good. So a big one is I love that you said the idea that why would they want to kill him, right? Why right. would the Jews want to kill him if this was just another statement? Because I've heard it said even from people, for yeah. example, who are Muslim or or atheists mm-hmm. that right. say. The idea of them saying Jesus is Son of God is not necessarily that he's saying that he's God himself. Right. He's, he's like us, you know, he's also a child. But if that were the case, number one, why would the Jews want to kill him? Right. You know, like you pointed out exactly. in John 10 and other, and other passages, they knew, they understood what he was saying. Um, exactly. You mentioned um, the Greek word for begotten, which is found in verse 18 that you read, you know, that he mm-hmm. is the, begot- the only begotten of, right. of God. So. That one, um, you, you said the Greek word, what I, Greek word which monogenes. I can't pronounce either. It's monogenes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I remember learning this in Bible college that it was, that's where we get the word monogene, you know, which means right. mono being one, gene, right. the genes that we have. So it's basically like a saying, it's the same DNA, you know, mm-hmm. it's from the yeah. same root. That's the, the concept, the monogene exactly. of God himself. It's. Yeah, so it's it's not like he was begotten in the sense that he was one day born, like you said, like right. you know that one day Jesus didn't exist and then he's well, not right. Jesus, the Word, you right, know, the right, eternal, exactly. No, no, uh, no, that's son true. Of God, yeah, um, it's kind of hard to phrase it, but it's like you know there wasn't a moment in which he started to exist. He's always existed. Exactly. I I guess that's the difference between being eternal and right. everlasting. You know, as believers, exactly. we believe that we can be everlasting when we live with right. God. But he's eternal. He he's always yeah. existed, and he will always exist. So and he never had a beginning. There's a lot there. That's, that's... he never mm-hmm. had a beginning. Where right. whereby we as human beings, uh, we do have a beginning. So in that sense, right. uh, as human beings, uh, we are we are eternal in the sense that we will not die. You know, I mean, there's there are two deaths in the Bible. I don't want to uh, somebody misunderstand what we're saying here. But we do live on after this life, you see, in that mm-hmm. sense. But either we right. live eternally to be in the presence of the Lord or an eternal condemnation. So in that sense, we continue on after this life. But right. we had a beginning. Yeah. He didn't have a beginning. I mean, you know, when Revelation calls him the Alpha and the Omega... And you go back to Isaiah and some other scriptures, you say Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Wait, that's only God, you know? Yeah. And John the Baptist makes it very clear here. Again, uh, he makes it very, very clear that uh, he himself, uh, when he baptized them, uh, he heard the voice of the Father. And uh, it was God the Father who gave testimony that this is my only begotten Son. Listen to mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So yes, and this isn't like a. It's. I think I grew up. No one ever told me this, but I think I subconsciously would think of Jesus somehow lesser than the Father, and because He's the Son of 
you know, mm, yeah. kind of like, I guess I would just equate me being the son of my dad, you yeah. know, and, and think, well, he's the bigger, more powerful one, you know, I'm just the son. And, but it's, it's not that, um, it's not like we picture, you know, father and son here on earth, that there was a moment that he yeah. came from his offspring and he's weaker and right. he's a younger one. It's right. It's, it's a, it's like a picture of it. And that, that verse 18 that says, no one has seen God any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the father. So it's like, exactly. Uh, I've, I've seen that translation be in the lap, like he's in his lap also yeah. as well. Like, so we've, we talked about in the first episode of the series that he's the word, you know, and a word that you say is simultaneously something separate you. from you, but at the same time, it, but it's a part of you. Exactly. You know, the words that I'm saying right now, they're their own thing, but at the same time, they're part of me because they're coming from me. So it's like, it's a picture of it. And like a, a child sitting on the lap of his father is, is like his offspring. It comes from him. It's separate, but it's the same. They're just pictures, right? Yeah. Of what we can see of, of Jesus and the Trinity, which is obviously a beautiful mystery, but it's, it starts playing with that theme that is throughout scripture, that this is simultaneously like we saw in the first episode. He is God. Yep. He's with God and he is God, you know? Right. And it's just in a, in a different way. There wasn't a, a moment where the logos did not exist. Let's put it like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, for example, some cults uh, teach and say, well, you know, he's the first thing that God created. No, not mm -hmm. according to John and not according to the New Testament at all. He was there, you know, as you mentioned, uh, in the bosom. In other words, he was there with, you know. But mm -hmm. the, he is the revelation of God, uh, and that's why he came, you know. And it's funny yeah. because the word we get, uh, let me see my Greek text. We get the word uh, exegesis. You know, it's at the end in, in the Greek and it sells. It's exegesis means it reveals or describes or reports. So basically oh, wow. what John is writing here, he says, you want to see God? Look at Jesus. He's the one that reports <laughs> and, is, and is the one that makes him known. Wow. So, uh, yeah. That one down. And mono, monogenes, again, you know, the word there means the unique, the only. Mm hmm. Like, it, wow, that's so good. And it reminds me of John 17, you know, in other parts where he says, you know, give, show them the glory that oh, I yeah. had with you before creation Be began. You know, Jesus exactly. is that to the Father. So there's a sense that before creation even began, that's right. The word, the logos, was having yeah. glory with God. And God doesn't share his glory like the it's that's it's, right it, 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 we're stepping on the edge of, you know of our understanding but <laughs> but but yeah it's it's a deep thing that we need to understand in order to know God better and yeah understand who he is you know understand yeah. who Jesus is and otherwise we can simplify it too much to yeah just are limited at understanding and say oh this is who Jesus was he was just a man a prophet or whatever and that's we, right we we're, we're missing the depth of what even I think John and the Holy Spirit through these passages is trying to convey. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So uh, again, and that's why the Jews wanted to kill him. And, and uh, as I mentioned, I believe it's seven times. Well, I think it's a little more. It mentions the title Son of God, but it's seven people who give testimony in the Gospel of John you know, I, I read a very interesting critique of, of uh, John the other day. 
uh, one of the, these theologians said, well, you know, that was written uh, since it's not part of the synoptics and it's so different from the synoptics. It was written later, which is true, approximately uh, just before 100, between 90, 95, 96. But, you know, it really, it's not trustworthy because the others don't, you know, focus on that. You know, and uh, not really true. But see, the thing is, John really, his whole focus is on the word becoming flesh, that God visited us. And, uh, you know, for example, if I remember correctly, in chapter 5, you know, uh, Jesus mentions, well, as you mentioned in 17, the Father and I are one. But in chapter 5 also, he mentions that uh, the Father doesn't judge, but he's given all judgment to the Son. You know, I mean, then you sort of try to wrap your head around and you say, how can (laughs) God not judge? I mean, if that's the way you think. How can God yeah. not judge, but only the Son? And that's where they're co-equal, but at the same time, you know, you have First uh, Corinthians 15 says that the Son will one day give the kingdom over to the Father and submit himself also. But yeah. uh, he submits himself to the Father after the work is finished that he is done, you see? And, you know, this can yeah. sound very complicated. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, but when you start yeah. really under, try to understand, because it's, it's, it's impossible to fully grasp what all of this implies. But what it does say is that the Father sent the Son. As a matter of fact, it's the Gospel of John that uses most the whole phrase, and Jesus was sent as the sent one, you know, God's missionary, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, so it's 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 worthwhile when you look at this, and and of course you just don't look at it superficially. But the implications again is that Jesus became man; he existed all eternity as God, but became a a man. He experienced everything that we as people have experienced. Well, the author of Hebrews says uh, he was tempted in everything, but did not sin. That's the only thing that Jesus did not do. But, again, the writer of Hebrews tells us, but he's there for us, so if uh, we need to appeal to someone, he's there for us because he was tempted in everything. And First John, of course, says if anyone sins, we have a, a witness or, depending on the translation, we have a, a lawyer, an advocate, you know, uh, so anyway, that's that's marvelous. I mean, you know, when we start unpacking all these things, you know, that's why Jesus is unique. Totally, totally unique. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And the there's another aspect, I guess, we could touch on yeah. to finish out would be, <clears throat> I was reading that the emperor, for example, uh, right. Augustus would call mm-hmm. himself the son of yeah. God, you know? Right. And there was this idea that the emperor was divine, you know? And exactly. like royalty Correct. was, was I think he, he said he was the son of Apollos, for example, mm-hmm. Augustus. And there were other emperors that would say similar things. So it's almost like here, uh, John or, you know, even Jesus himself, the, the Christianity's putting this like slap on the face of saying, no, yeah. you're not a son of God. There are, we talked about, you know, pantheists, but here's their, 
these people were polytheistic, you know, that they yeah. had many gods that they believed. And Jesus isn't just another one of these gods. That's correct. He is the only God. He is yeah. in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one God. Him, him I think we need to also remember the Shema. He's, he's not contradicting yeah. the Shema, you know. There is exactly. still the one God. And That's he's... Right. He is that one God, you know, it's, it's so fascinating. And to think of what it could have meant, even politically, culturally, that statement, you know, and the waves that it was creating. um, Well, we know from history, for example, uh, uh, many, many followers of Jesus, uh, when persecution hit, you know, uh, many followers of Jesus, the reason why they were persecuted was because they wouldn't say that Caesar was Lord. Again, that had to do, you know, and uh, all supposedly what had to be done was just a little bit, you take a little bit of incense, throw it on the altar, and you sacrifice it to Caesar, you know, in the name of Caesar. And, uh, of course, the believers in, in Jesus, followers of Jesus in the first century refused to do that, you know. So, uh, again... We, we need to understand all these nuances, both historical and also what the Bible teaches in the Old and the New Testaments, the implications of this term, Son of God. And uh, it's, oh. it's just so deep. As a matter of fact, we could do a whole series <laughs> on just this one. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we always end up saying that, but it's, it's but just it's, true. It's true. Yeah. The depth of Scripture and the implications of all of this. And... You know, when you look at Philippians chapter 2, for example, it says he, uh, kenosis, you know, he left all of that, his deity, to become, know. you know, to become human. And we we touched on this uh, last week, you know, to become human, you know, and he left all of that to become human and die on the cross, like just like anyone else, but he overcame that for the sake of us. For love, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just the implications yeah. of all of that. How do you wrap? How do you understand that? Oh, uh, and it's 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 again by faith, trusting in what God has done. We can't, we don't know all the nuances, but Paul t- says that one day we'll see him face to face, you know, and we'll know. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Son amazing. of God you, has a lot of implications for us. Yeah, yeah, it does. And if you're if you're listening to this or watching, and you feel kind of like I felt throughout my walk, that you kind of feel like this is too much for me to to grasp. That I feel like that's how we should feel. You know, There's, exactly. We can yeah. tend to put walls around God and define it, and we 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 feel like we already understand Him, and a neat tight little box. And it's yeah. good for us always to shatter those walls and to say, Yeah, this is so much. He's so much bigger than we think, you know. This exactly. more complex and amazing than than we we thought or or knew. So this is how we grow in our Christian yep. walk. And again, I know we only scratched the surface, but uh, but thank you, Doc. I know uh, this this will be a blessing to those who hear it. Well, likewise, we'll continue to talk about Jesus. And we're learning. Yeah. Believe me, we're all learning as each day gold <laughs> progresses. God bless. Yeah, let's keep it up. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Table podcast. We pray that these conversations are a blessing for anyone seeking to know who Jesus is and for those seeking to know him even more.